Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Come on, side, side, side. What up, y'all? Said love. This is Killer Inside the podcast. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Brought to you by CigarsInternational.com. Y'all know that my people, if you've been listening to the podcast, it's brought to you by CigarsInternational.com. Go to CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. When you check out, uh, just type in the promo code Ed. 10 off ed 10 get 10 percent off your entire purchase and also by nissan south tomorrow 6889 jones Road, right here in atlanta georgia they got all the cars that you want all the nissans that you can want it's 2018 and got certified pre-owned all that so go to 6889 jones Road. roads ask for my man chris white nissan south tomorrow and oversaw or the big overseer up in the sky, the one and only Combat Jack, you internets. Welcome to Come On Son, the podcast. Today we're going to be talking to the one and only Mr. Don Cannon. Yeah, Cannon, Cannon, Cannon. You know Don Cannon. Celebrity DJ and producer Donald Earl Cannon. <laughs> I'm going to get on him about that. It's responsible for a new sound and major hip-hop anthems storming the airways over the past couple of years, more than 10 years. Internationally known DJ can be heard spinning to elite industry crowds from Atlanta to Tokyo. Tall-ass motherfucker. Uh, production and credit includes a... Oh, my God. So many. Outcast, the artist, storytelling, featuring Marsha Ambrosius, Young Jeezy, Go Crazy, Jay-Z, 50 Cent's Man Down, Ludacris, Everybody Hates Chris, Undisputed, featuring Foy Mayweather, Fabulous, all. Oh, my God. His, I'm, I have his discography in front of me, and it's too much shit to mention. And, you know, he is partners with the only one, uh, Barack Drama, DJ Drama, and they have their very own label, Generation Now. And they have Lil Uzi Vert signed to that label. So Don Cannon's going to come in. And we're going to talk about hip-hop, DJing, producing, record labels, everything that Don Cannon has his hand in, we're going to talk about. It. He even uh, produced stuff for Lecrae, right? Called, he did a song for Lecrae called Church Clothes. Uh, Pusha T, Logic, Jeezy, of course, Lil Uzi Vert. Uh, just so many people, so much music. Estelle and Rick Ross. He did uh, Big Sean featuring Kendrick Lamar and Royce the Five Nine. He's done a lot of work, I right, in a short period of time. Absolutely, but a lot, a lot of work. Also co-owner of Mean Street Studio along with DJ Drama. They have done so many things for being, uh, I like to call them young G's. 
because I'm an OG, so they're YGs. They're not baby Gs, but they're YGs. They, they're young guards. So they've done a lot of work. So I'm going to talk to Don Cannon coming up, and I want to talk to Don Cannon about um, a generation now, definitely, and how they see hip-hop growing and, and moving into the next generation and the big, you know, the big uh, dispute in hip-hop against rappers and what the rappers like to call mumble rap. So we got a lot of stuff to talk to Don Cannon about. So Don Cannon is going to be joining me in the studio in a minute for Come On, Satin, the podcast. Like I told y'all, man, Don Cannon is my in-studio guest on today's podcast. Welcome, sir. What's up, man? How you, How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I can't Philadelphia's complain. own Don Cannon. Yeah, you're right. Came down here to Clark Atlanta University and never left, huh? That's it, man. <laughs> I ain't want to go back to the Wolves. You man, ain't want to go back to Philly? <laughs> no, nah, the Tell Wolves. Me, how was life in Philly? Were you DJing in Philly? Nah, well, I, when I was nine, I was. And then, you know, I stopped up being a rapper, tried to be uh, Shaq, tried to do the basketball or rap thing. Okay. Basketball ain't pan out. I started watching Kobe and all the people I was playing with go to the NBA. I was like, yo. You were playing with Kobe? Yeah, Kobe, uh, Rasul Butler. Wow. uh, Flip Murray, uh, Jameer Nelson. A lot of dudes, man, that that went to the NBA. (laughs) I I ain't go. I wasn't that good. Okay. So uh, I switched it up. When did you figure that out? When I seen them jumping up, <laughs> jumping, over, <laughs> jumping over people head, dunking it, you know what I mean? I was, I, I, it's a lot of us that had basketball dreams, man. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I tried, you know, a little bit. I just felt like, you know, um, they had a cheat code. You know, they had they had a couple coaches uh, that was really taking. Like his dad was already in there, so Maurice Cheeks was really taking a lot of them basketball players and molding them into something that you know, right. definitely didn't get that privilege. I was still from the hood, so okay. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what part of Philly are you from? I'm from West Philly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to everybody out there in West Philly. Philly is Wild Wild West. Philly is a great <laughs> place. Yeah. It is a real sometimes, and it's a sports <laughs> town too. Definitely. Like I'm getting calls right now. I'm cousins that I ain't spoke to. They Facebooking me like, "Yo, so who you with? You with the Eagles? You with the Falcons?" So I'm like, "Ah, okay." <laughs> you know. Well, who you with, bro? You know I'm with the Eagles. Oh, I absolutely, can't, I can't, you gotta I can't, be. I can't rock with the Falcons. Only, only, only thing I give the Falcons is that Matt Ryan is from Philly, so. Okay. You know, that's that's the Yeah, Falcons. and I give the Falcons props because uh, Dan Quinn is from Jersey. Okay, there And is. I'm a New York Giants guy. Yeah, so it's close enough. <laughs> that's I mean? it. So I, close enough. I will root for them, but I don't think I can wear their paraphernalia. Nah, I can't. Nah, nah, I can't. Nah. nah, I can't put their hats can't on and all that shit. And the color's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't do that, man. I cannot do that. So you came down here. You went to school. Did you meet drama at school? Yeah, well, it was funny because I went to school with uh, this kid named Jabari. I, I make sure that I bring his name up. He was like, yo, when you go to Atlanta, uh, make sure you hook up my homeboy. He lived around the corner from me. His name Drama. He already lit, you know, Bahamadi and the Roots already work, working with him. He got a group. When you go down there, go see him. So when I finally came to school, I ran into him. The first thing I said to him was like, yo, what's up? I'm Jabari, homeboy. Now, you know, I make beats or whatever. I'm like, man, get out of here, young boy. You don't make no beats. You ain't hot. <laughs> you know, see, I DJ too. So I had gave him a CD, like, you know what I mean? Just check it out. You know what I mean? Let me know what you think. Man, he called me like two days later, like, yo, where you at? You got to come to our studio. You fire. So I'm like, all right, cool. So then we built the relationship from there. And then uh, our other partner, Trendsetter, we, I ran into him too. We had, a lo- we had a, uh, another buddy the same way. Uh, I was playing basketball with this kid named Ace McLeod. And he was like, yo. Make sure you hook up my man Brand when you get down there. So I hooked up with him the same way. Okay. Yeah. But they was already friends. I ain't know. I just thought it was. Oh, them separate. two were already friends. Yeah, because I'm thinking when you come to school, like Philly click up, New York click up. Uh huh. It ain't like that. You know what I'm saying? Because when 
when you hit Philly, it's like, you know, even in New York, it's like somebody might say they from Mount Vernon. You might, it might not be the same click you with in Brooklyn. You know right. what I'm saying? So the same thing with Philly. It was like people was from Westchester or, or like King of Prussia. Right. They not, you know what I mean, not from West Philly or North Philly. And, you know, drama's from the bottom, which is one of the worst parts of Philadelphia. And when I seen them, I was like, yo, you look like nothing like this. Right. I mean, everybody around my neighborhood scarred up, looking crazy. You know, he came through. He had long dreads. You know, he was rolling with, you know, the Roots crew and stuff like that. So... You know, it, it clicked up good for us. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you're right about that, too, because usually a lot of times, you you know, you run into somebody and they be like, yo, I'm from New York, Ed. I'm from New York. And you'd be like, yeah, where you from, man? I'm such and such and such. You'd be like, dude, nah, bro. Yeah, and it's nothing like it's, that ain't you, New you York, just don't right? know. You don't know the feeling. Like, it's nothing right. wrong being, like, from Westchester and stuff like that. But to be in the real trenches and be around that, like, it's a whole different experience than – you know, being from uh, Rochester, New York, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. Well, Rochester get busy now. Oh, them motherfuckers get... They get, get busy get... now. Woo! <laughs> they get real busy. The rock. Like the rock. They get... <laughs> they used to be a laughing stock, and Buffalo, too, they yeah. get busy now. Yeah. Like, seriously busy. They... Uh, you don't want to fuck with them kids up there. I'm yeah. telling you right now. I was at Rochester doing a comedy show right now. I see a dude slap the shit out of his girlfriend in the middle of the dance floor Yo. in the club. I was like, if these niggas is bugging... Yeah. In this piece right now, it's the and, same thing as Westchester and Philly. Like yeah. when we first came in early 2090s, it was safe. Now it's like almost the murder capital of the world. Like they're wow. going crazy. Yeah, going crazy. How do you think Philly molded you into being the entrepreneur and businessman that you are today? Um, I had to watch uh, some of the some of the dudes coming out of the city. Um, Lionel Simmons was one. Um, him and Will Smith was like the top. Shout tier. out to L Train. Yeah, L Train. It was boy that he used to give a hell of a barbecue. Shit, man. Wow. I watched them as youngins, like you know what I mean. It just watched their business moves. Like he was the first person I seen that really got into buying, um, buying neighborhoods. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. Buying old projects and giving something for kids to do. So like L Train ran the city for the most part, even mm-hmm. on the south side. He had like, um, he had um, restaurants. He had crit he had schools he got involved with um with uh pop and oak and you know some of them cats that you know from philly international back in the day and they made schools and programs so i'm like damn when i get older i guess i'm gonna have to do this because that's part of being a, a businessman mm-hmm. it's not just being selfish saying i'm gonna just spend all my money on jewelry and cars and stuff like you got to get into you know putting back into the city mm-hmm. so and then you know i didn't watch initially watch colby and them do that you know, I watch everybody from the city, from outside cities come in and mm-hmm. do stuff. Like, I seen Jay-Z buy condos and put money into different places, and Drake come in the Strawberry Mansion and putting a whole school program there. Right. I haven't seen that. So I, we had to really kind of look at, had to look back at, like, L-Train and those and those guys, like, and be like, yo, they really, you know, molded the city as much as they could. Uh-huh. And, you know, Philly, like any other city, like in, in the north, is tough because it's crabs in a barrel sometimes. So you, you got to kind of, like, maneuver a certain way. They, the city officials don't want you to have certain, or uh, you know, permits yeah. to do things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really molded, you know, us to be the tough businessman but still give back to the city mm-hmm. just watching them. One of the toughest mafia crews in America, Philadelphia Absol- Mob. Absolutely. Little Nicky Scarfo and that whole crew over there. How you what, know about all that? I know a lot about shit. <laughs> uh, Junior Black Mafia out of Philly. Yeah, my dad was in it. Junior Black Mafia. Really? I was yeah. going to ask you, was that before your time? Nah. That's where Biggie got Junior Mafia from. It came from the Junior Black Mafia out of it, Philadelphia. They was, they was tough. Ruthless dudes right there, tough. man. Tough. Yeah. 
Know a couple of them very well. And sometimes it's cool being Ed Lover because you get in, you kind of get this kind of, yo, you Ed Lover, right? Yeah, I'm such and such and such. And you kind of befriend people because you treat people yeah. with respect. You know, but a lot of dudes from New York thought that when TNT kind of clamped down on us that we can go down to Philly and Baltimore and shut shit down. Wrong move. <laughs> Them niggas down don't play at all. Yeah. And they already got a chip on their shoulder. But New York and Philly always kind of had a good relationship. Yeah, they had a highly high respect, especially, you know, if, if I could talk about the basketball a little bit. Like, we went up there AAU to play in Brooklyn. It was always love. You yeah. Know what I mean? Even going to Rucker and stuff like that. Oh, like, hell yeah, because Philly always I mean? bought yeah. tough teams and tough ball players from – from yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah, and he's so, only an hour and a half away. Yeah, you know, it's a little bus trip, you know, getting a little Man, y'all used to throw the, the, the joints down on the plateau and all that. We used to roll on there for that shit. What, the Philly Greek yeah, the Fest? Freak, the Freak Nick and all that. Philly I mean, Greek, Greek, Greek Fest? Fest? Yeah. Philly Greek Fest. Let me tell y'all, folks, if you're listening <laughs> right now, you think you miss Freak Nick. Philly Greek <laughs> Fest was a stop. It's something that had to happen. Like, that was part of your... Of your life, you knew when it was coming. You was like, "When's Philly? Oh, next weekend." The plat, the right. When you hear Will Smith saying the summertime record, the place called the Plateau was where everybody go. Absolutely, that's where we drove from New York. If you had to rent a car, you rented a car to come from New York and to go down to Philly. Yeah. Right, Philly was always, always is a neighbor to New York. And then when the throwbacks came back, uh, came out, shit, Mitchell, that's based in Philly. (laughs) Yeah, South Street in Philly. Where you got all the best shit from? Where you got the best throwbacks, best hats, best everything? So our relationship with Philly is absolutely is really crazy, absolutely really crazy, and has been for for a very very long time. So you you got down here, you got settled in, you guys hook up, and y'all start something that I don't think Atlanta had ever seen before. Yeah, well, Atlanta had it, but I think that you know Atlanta for some for some time were trying to figure out their identity. In certain ways, mm-hmm. so they had like Little John was here, then you had Outcast here, then you had Oomp Camp, and what happened was they wasn't they had this little phrase and it's like you don't like Atlanta, fly away, you know that was uh-huh. the, the Goody Mob phrase. So we was down here moving around. They was like, yeah, we don't want the stuff that y'all have. We don't want it the, the same way y'all do things. We do our mixtapes like this, or we do our you know our parties like this. You right. Know what I mean? So we was trying to figure out acquiesce to what we're doing. Yeah, in other we, words. Yeah, and we tried to break in and try to figure out um, how to make it work for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being down here, knowing that we weren't going nowhere, how do we get in? So we just kind of reinvented the wheel with you know with um, um, some of the DJs down here, like Jelly and all of them. They they were making the CD and putting the label on it. They had never seen it with a cover like New York. Right. So we kind of fused the two to come up with our own and then, you know, slowly moved in saying we can't get all the exclusives like New York, so we're not beating them, so we need to find the artists that are going to be hot next year or the year after that. How do you do that? Because <sighs> um, with Generation Now, we'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. you're still on the cutting edge of doing that. Yeah, well, what me and John figured out was um, as slow as it was for us to to move maneuver into this world, there was always exciting acts here you mm-hmm. know they weren't closed doors there was a lot of people in different states that was closed doors to everything rap, yeah absolutely rap was real rebellious yeah even us like we had to tame it down a little bit when you come to Atlanta it's a little bit more southern comfort you know you speak people speak you know artists are a little bit more open to collaborating yeah and really absolutely a lot of competition so we started seeing like oh if they're gonna be able to work then 
this going to give them an avenue. Like, it's you know, when you when you rebellious, you close doors. People are like, I don't want to mess with him. And not, you know what I mean? It was such mm-hmm. an open door for David Banner to be rolling up or T.I. to be rolling up. It was like, oh, we can push these guys. It was always about that at first. Right. And then we mastered, okay, we can make these cats the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know? So that that was pretty much how we do it. It wasn't like a guess in the park. It's like, you know, it's, it's very hard to break an artist, but we had to really kind of um, look into what made that artist special. Like T.I. came to the house. He was swagged out. You know, Drum had, we, he had a little house on uh, Glen Iver Street, and T.I. just was like, I don't care. I'll come rap in the bathroom. That was like relentlessness. We was like, oh, we got to have this kid. We got to make him a star. Right. No matter what we think of his music or not. He got to be the one. And then he started being able to, you know, and, and a lot of things, we, we add little points too. Like if you think about um, T.I. and you think about people in the South, it was hard for rappers to really rap on every type of beat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we started seeing the people that were going to be big be able to rap on all those beats. Like T.I. could rap on a beat like uh, Go Crazy or Lean Back right. the same way he did trap music. You know what I mean? A lot of people weren't able to do that. So we, we kind of knew the stars, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That would be able to translate to New York or Chicago or L.A. based off of that, those maneuvers. So, how, how did you get the distribution going the way that y'all were able to do it? Um, funny thing is, I guess Drum was uh, was uh, DJing with Big Mike and, and, and Green Lantern. Okay. And they kind of, like, put us in the same uh channels okay like, oh, this is the guy to get you to canal street right this is the guy to get you you know here uh-huh. you know in different cities but which what was crazy was we were in the south and the south has this thing where up north doesn't like you have to go through a certain person so many it was so many channels in the south like mm-hmm. you could be in mississippi and open up a whole hundred channels you know right. what i'm saying being uh tennessee open another hundred channels it was just everybody was working with each other you get up north it's like yeah i don't want to sell your tape because we do clue here that's or right i don't want to sell your tape because envy rolled this neighborhood you know what i'm saying yeah so being in the south is a little different that's why some of the, the south artists now get a chance to blow up faster because they go on so many markets that's open to oh, absolutely. new artists like you could Wide be open. Jackson, Mississippi or Biloxi and then come back here and do Tallahassee and, and these be brand new artists. That's right. You know you don't get that chance it's like you know up, up north, north like, you don't man, get that. You, you get the main stage you need to know Ed you need right. to know you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. it's tough like you know yeah, so, really so we got hard. those channels by that. Okay yeah. Now, now let's talk about generation now because before you came on, I was running down some of your discography, and you've worked with a lot of people from, you know, Young Jeezy, man, Scrappy, Fabulous, Fabulous, after Cassidy, you know, regardless, Fabulous is a lyricist. Right. But now you're in Generation Now, and you have a very successful artist by the name of Lil Uzi Vert signed to your label through Atlantic. How do you... I don't know if it's the right words is ride the fence because you've worked with these guys and this is a different generation of artists, not right. so much lyricism, which a lot of these guys from the era where you were producing a lot of their stuff, they call this mumble rap. For sure. How do you deal with both sides of this? It was tough because, you know, when we first when we was first working with Jeezy, they called that mumble rap. It just wasn't called mumble rap. Mm. It was called... Uh, uh, they caught well, they were dope dealer music, you know. What right, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. and they really ain't have too much lyricism. They just had a message. It just you know it took him to kind of break the barrier of be able to say such vivid things. The first, the only person that came through before that with real real stuff would might in my era would probably be like a Cool G rap. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Jay Z, maybe right. 
Nas Biggie. had a story, Biggie. Right. But we never really got that vivid, like, I'm still here. I got dope in the trunk right now. Right. And I'm coming to see you to do the mixtape with the dope in the trunk. Right. And you going to roll because this is what we're doing. And right. I got a big bag of money. So it was like, when we started seeing that, I was like, oh, it's so many types of rap. Like, being up north, you know one thing. Like, I was there. I knew Biggie, Jay-Z, and Tupac. Right. Or DMX. I Nas Escobar. I, and then, I didn't want to hear Silk the Shocker. I didn't want to hear nothing you had to say from me, nobody else. I tell her that all the time. <laughs> we, were so, we were so closed off. Yeah, don't trick daddy. And and then when you hear, you learn to respect it. Like, oh, I'm getting what they're trying to say or what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So over the years, you know, me and Drum always really helped the artists get there. But, you know, when you get, when you get bigger in the artists, they only thing you can get from it is the groundbreaking accolades but it's never on your it's never on your sleeve it's just you know what people think mm-hmm. we never got a chance to have the pen like oh you really this is yours this is yours right so, it was always oh thank y'all for helping but then they go off in Atlantic and all of them are really reaping all the rewards for a lot of into the work. artists right know? they gave right. us you know a couple thousand dollars to break it and Adios, you know what I mean? Exactly. And then you, you keep the relationship with the artist, but, you know, back then, now every DJ has an album, every crew has an album, so you could go back and forth, like, I'll do this to break your artist, you give me... That wasn't there in the early 2000s, like right. in 2005, like, Jeezy wasn't giving you nothing. It was mm-hmm. like, you break this and you keep it moving. Right. Give you your money, you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, fast forward, you know, Uzi, our whole mind frame was like, okay, when we first started Affiliates, we had a label with Asylum in 2006 and seven. Yes, sir. And, uh... Our first artist was somebody that we went to school with, was from Michigan. And um, we really wanted an artist from Philadelphia. You know what I mean? And I was mm-hmm. like, that's what the affiliates is about. We spelled it P H I L L. So it's like, right. we need something Philly. Uh, Philly. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Philly, Philadelphia. Yeah, we need something like uh, that's going to translate from us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we wound up, uh, we wound up, you know, scrapping that whole thing. Time went on. Then when you came back to, I came, I went to Def Jam and I was vice president of A&R and I kind of lifted up the hood and I seen, like, okay, they got nitrogen here, they got this there. Man, I'm going to take this back to Atlanta and do it with Drum and figure it out. Mm-hmm. I came back, I was like, yo, we need to start the label. He's like, cool, we got to find an artist. So I was, I was in a, I had a residency DJ in Atlantic City and I was riding to Atlantic City and I heard the kid Uzi on the radio. So I'm like, what is this? It's so foreign sounding. But, yeah. the, but I know one thing that I studied, Dr. Dre, he listens for sonics and certain things. And dude had like a sonic to his voice. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I call a radio station like, who's that rapping? Having to be a DJ. She said, um, this this kid, Uzi, I'm working with you. Uh, you want you interested? I was like, yeah, listen, I was supposed to fly from Atlantic City back to Atlanta. I'm going to drive back to Philly. I want to meet him. Can you set it up? She set up the meeting. I went to go see him in the hood. Uh he came with, you know, the goons. <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> uh, but I was what we went down South Street. So I'm talking to him. Um, he's like, you got to come to the studio, hear some music. All the kids on the street already know him. So I did a little research. And a couple people was like, yo, he was he was already ill out here just battle rapping and, you know, doing his thing. Mm-hmm. So I said, battle rapping? Oh, that means he could really rap? Right. Okay, let me figure this out. So I go to the studio, listen to the music. Music was real good for him to be 18 years old. And I'm like, why is it so polished? Like, I understand it's got to be a producer behind him that's polishing the records. Uh-huh. But it really wasn't. He just had an engineer, but he just knew what he wanted to hear. Okay. Um, so I went to meet him, you know, listen to music. Um, 
he act like he ain't really know who I was or whatever. So it was cool. <laughs> I went back to Atlanta, you know, about a couple of days later, he had called me like, yo, you going to sign me or what? I know what you do. Come on, man. Like, what are we doing? You going to let Kanye or one of these dudes sign me? So I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right. So I started listening to the music, and then he would play me little records like, oh, you think I'm this, right? Uh-huh. Play me a record, and it'd be straight rap. Like, oh, wow. Meek Mill. And I'd be like, oh, wait. What's going on? He's like, yeah, that's boring. I don't like that. Like, I'm a watch. I'm gonna turn into a complete rock star. Like, I got, the, I got my whole vision laid out. So I brought the drum. I showed drum. He's like, man, let's do it. Um, we finally got him down here to start working to get out. First of all, you know, our first mind frame is Philly. Oh, don't get in trouble. Right. Even we don't got nothing. We bring him down here. He start working. And then I saw his work ethic, and I'm like, damn, these is all the qualities that we need. What you is know, his work work ethic like? Six songs a day, um, about 700 songs a year. You know, good or bad, he just he, he's a rat. He's a studio rat. Okay. You know what I mean? And you would think somebody that is as performing and out there he is, he won't be in the room as much. He does not leave that space. Oh, you wow. know what I mean? He beats me in that space. Okay. So, you know, um, as I'm starting to hear the records and starting to see the quality that he's bringing, I started adding producing, you know, some producer buddies of mine. Metro is one of the kids that I found. He was 17 in St. Louis, and his mom met with me. He was like, I got this. I got my son. He's dope. You know what I'm saying? Met with him. Um, he wound up being Metro booming. I put him in the game. Sonny, did it, Sonny Digital, uh, Mike Will. Right. Um, FKI was one of the first dudes um, from Jump that got involved in it um and and by the way half of this was all based on relationship mm. the rest of it was like yo dude is nice i gotta be a part of it right you know what i mean so once we started doing that the rest was history really you know what i mean he uh -huh. had a vision of being a rock star uh we kind of but he can you're telling us you're telling the world right now for a lot of people that might not hear it that uzi can rap that other way if he wants Absol to absolutely Absolutely. Uh, like if they if you if, if you, you go, were battle rapping and you got a name in Philly, you can fucking rap. Yeah, like I was walking to the sneaker store, they had consignment sneaker store like uh, flight club and they was like, Oh, that's the kid Lil Uzi. They ain't say nothing to me like that ain't Don Cannon. Like, right, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. They so I was like, was. Okay, there's something it's something here. I'd rather right. them say that than me. You know right. what I mean? Uh huh. So um you know, as you know, when he gets with Meek, they do those type of records. Yeah. You know, because Meek will demand that type of record or he'll feel like he has to. Right. You know what I mean? But for the most part, he you know, he's into melody, he's into songwriting. He listened to a lot of, you know, um not as soul, but like um like like paramore. Okay. I call that like people may say that's rock. I call it like alternative soul because the melodies is so familiar to mm -hmm. us. You know, for us to be able to listen to that, like Flyleaf and, right. and, you know, t them type of people. And then he takes his, like, I don't only listen to that. I got Marilyn Manson, where I get my whole feel from. You know okay. what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you jumping, you going to bite a head off of a bat? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you on some meatloaf? You about to jump in the crowd? Like, you know, right. we'll never know. So when he mixing that, infusing it with all the other things, it's starting to be Lil Wayne. To me, mm -hmm. you know, what I mean, starting to have that feel. Right. When Lil Wayne was rock star, like people didn't, he never coined it, but he was the first dude with no shirt off, with the dreads, the tats everywhere. You know, right. The drug influence. You right. Know what I mean, it's all rock star feels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we used to, you know, Tim boots, you know, hoodie and, and a shirt. You know, I ain't right. used to the dude that coming out 
dancing like Mick Jagger and you right, know what I'm and saying? just rocking out right to his own thing. But isn't that what we push the envelope of hip hop for? Absolutely. But I think that as we get older. The people from the last generations forget that's what we was doing in the first place. Had we forgot Run DMC and Aerosmith had did those things. That's did right. Did you forget how tight they pants were? Did you forget <laughs> the shoes they wore? Did that's you forget right. Curtis Blow had on a see-through blouse? That's you right. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you we forget, forget that, that one time Big Daddy came <laughs> posed ass naked? Did you see what I'm saying? And with Madonna in the Madonna sex book. Did <laughs> we forget he was in Playgirl? Like, did we forget Father MC <laughs> did that? Like, right. We always like to look at our generation as something extra special because we did have what we call the golden age of hip-hop which was probably the most creative period of hip-hop ever but let's not do to them what our parents did to us for sure that's all i'm trying to get to and jay-z made known to it's like tupac had a nose ring like yeah did we forget that (laughs) people you know we certainly did ultra magnetic mcs they was crazy cool keeper still fucking flipped out he just came through the studio that's long (laughs) ago with the same the sailor hat with the crazy boots yeah cool keeper still bugged out he put the the fucking crazy wig on we forget mf doom yeah MF Doom wears a mask. You feel me? For Christ's sake. So if, if Lily Uzi Vert is doing something different, what's the problem? Like, Yeah, I take that for all them kids. Like, if you think about it, like, you know, a lot of the things has come with time. Like, you know, the education is different than mm-hmm. how we had it. And our respect and, and morals are a little different. You know, they got so many choices now. Right. You know, we had no choice. You had to be a Muslim or Christian. Right. Or a five percenter. That was just that. You know what I'm saying? And we were stiff on those things. Now you got they, especially coming out of Philly. Yeah, you got you. Your neighborhood is like okay. You got atheists. You got Muslims. You know what I'm saying? You got people that don't even believe in that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even their friendships is different. Like you know, sexuality was different when we was young. We was real stern on a certain thing. That's right. They thing is, they homeboy is this, and they homegirl is that, or they love the dog too much you know what i'm saying yeah. they, they they're different and you know as we got older we never understood none of that like we were i'm still like in all like damn the new generation they they do anything upside down cross i'm like yo how how do how are they doing this like that's devilish then you do research and you say well that's not the upside down cross was saint paul and saint paul was hung upside down because he didn't feel like he was in awe to jesus you know what i'm saying right so that's not Evil. It's, you know not evil. You it's not the three sixes. Just, it's they, not the Satan. Right. They didn't give him the Jesus Christ. Right. So, you know, some of that stuff is crazy. They, the 666 thing, when they brought that, I was like, I, I was kind of like, whoa, all right, that's doing too much. And then they start explaining that the proton, neutron, electron makes up the black melanin. I'm like, oh, they got this whole thing figured <laughs> out. Like, you know what I'm saying? They got this whole thing kind of figured out, whether we believe it or not. That's right. what they believe in. That's what that's their you know thing. What I mean? And you so, gotta kind of allow them to have their thing. Yeah, and and you know they age like we our, our authenticity came in a different level. Like you know now they troll people. Like when people say something bad up, we try to wash it away. They roll with the bad. Right. As soon as somebody says something, yeah, I'm that. I don't care. And they don't be really that, but they just trolling it. Right. So I had to understand that side of it too. Like uh huh, it's different. And from a business standpoint with them, and from a musical standpoint with them. It's more like the freedom to be whatever I want to be. For sure, for sure. And people don't understand when he says I'm a rock star. Yeah, we we they embrace everything that we thought was negative. Like we we seen crackheads growing up, or we seen people on pills and all that. We kind of stepped away from it. Like oh, that's negative, or they messing up, or you know doing yeah. the wrong thing. They go towards it. They like yo, my man's on Zannies. We still love him though. You know what I mean? He depressed. We about to embrace that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And write a we song about this shit. You see what I'm saying? My man's suicidal. We, we rolling with him. 
Usually would have been like, oh, he's suicidal. Let me move yeah, over move here. Over I don't want him to make... need to be in a crazy band, but you they did. explore it and understand it a little bit. They more embrace than we it did. faster than how we used to. Like we, like we said, we grew up rebellious. So then right. my first thing was the shield. Like, no, nah, I ain't mess with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How tough was it for you guys? Because um, he was already really known in Philly. How tough was it for y'all to break him as an artist? Um, and what do you see the differences between breaking him and like trying to break? Uh, GZ or TI or somebody like that. Our our toughest battle was uh was really trying to figure out why they they wanted us to have the first Dave East or the first J Cole more than just the little Uzi. You know, oh, you talking about Atlantic Records? Yeah, well, us in general. Okay, yeah. Drum and Cannon first artist out the back is this rock star kid. We thinking we should have Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? The next Jay Z. Right, the next, you know what I'm saying? They never expected us to even do that, like, or have a two chains. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They always expecting from from what we put into the game. Yes, that we're supposed to bring you the top notch MC to ever walk the face of the earth, instead of the the most, you know, viral rock star dudes jumping off scaffold matches. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that was our toughest thing because when we're delivering the music, they're they're looking at us like. Okay, before I listen to this, why this looks weird? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Instead of to face value, and then knowing what it's going to grow into, we had that whole vision. That was the toughest thing. Once we broke through that barrier, it was like, okay, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it makes sense. We we made it Generation Now. Like our first mixtape outside of Gangsta Grills was Generation Now, and the first person we had on it was Kanye, Joe Buttons, and Stat Quo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that grew into Corey Guns. Jay Mills and them, but these were all different acts at that time. Kanye right. was totally different from Joe Buttons. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Stat Quo was totally different. Like Stat yeah. Quo was on some different. We was like, oh, we need to. This is how the generations move. So the generation now is these kids are smart enough to know how to perform. They do all these things. Half of these kids don't even go practice or do things. They just know naturally how to mm-hmm. do two backflips and be in a crowd. Right. You know what I mean, or color their hair to get there. Right. Now, we had training for a lot of us. We had producers before our time telling us, yeah, if you put um, peroxide in your head, it, it make the girls go crazy. You know what I'm saying? You, Man, but I had peroxide had in my head yeah. and fucking you on TV, right? See what I'm saying? The whole front of my head was blonde, so I don't even understand why these parents <laughs> was bugging out off these kids. I was you did the same thing. We had dreadlocks. We had every fucking thing. They, we, they always, you know, we always wanted better for our kids. So when we look at it, it's kind of like uh, we don't want them to do what we do. You know, right. the same thing our parents did. We don't want you to smoke cigarettes and weed, and we want you. To listen but we to did it. it. We did it. Right. So it's they doing it. You know, we want we want the best for our kids, but the best is how they putting it out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you know that was our biggest. That was the biggest thing for us to get past the part where we ain't bringing J Cole. We can find a J Cole. We can find you know those guys, but we need somebody that's going to cover all ends we don't need um j cole but it's not appealing to the women or we don't need you know tupac that's only doing you know black power righteous we need like somebody that's going to cover all the aspects of the rap game because that's what we built this thing for right you know we ain't built it just to be had this couple fans here and you know what i mean right you know so that was our toughest thing but once people got the music they was like oh snap this is fire Right. If you really sit and listen to it. You know yeah, if you don't close your mind You don't close your mind. Tell yeah. me about Jack Harlow. Uh, Jack Harlow is, is, you know, what we was like, okay, we've got the rock star off. 
who's the rapper that's going to be different? You know, are we going to go to uh, Queens and find the next Nas? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We went to Kentucky and found the next Nas. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Right. When we went to Kentucky, it was like, who's, you're the rapper? You, you're the one that's doing this? And it's kind of weird because it's like. How did, how did he come across your ears? I was like, oh. I heard the rapping. I was like, oh, this is dope kid, you know, swagged out. I already had it in my mind what he was going to look like. I thought he was going to have dreads. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I definitely didn't think he was going to be white. Um, not You know, not that mean anything, but I, de- I didn't hear that at first because he was rapping. He was rapping with other rappers like Scheme and, and all these guys. So I was like, when I first seen him, I'm like, oh, I seen a video. I said, wait a minute. This kid got That's something. That's him? Yeah, right. he got something. 6'4", glasses. Uh, kind of Napoleon Dynamite, got his own swag, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but he got a vision. Like he came to me, was like, "Yo, I'm the Outcast Clips type dude. I want have those Pharrell influences, but still want to have live music too. And I wanted to be fun. And I got a crew. A crew. It was. It's weird because like you know, all these kids I'm starting to see they like what we've seen in the past. Like you know, you got the Native Tongues. You right. Know he got a whole crib. Called, I mean, his whole crew called the uh, Private Garden. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, damn, they got a team full of producers, team full of rappers. I'm seeing it all over again. So I know it's special because Native Tunes right. was special then. Hell and, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you had the Bomb Squad. You had bomb Dre, squad. You, you know, know that Dre's whole crew, the, the whole Aftermath crew that they put together over there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and at first we were a little leery because I'm like, you know, uh, we've seen these before. They've been Mac Miller. Uh, they've been Jeezy uh, or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. What's going to make it different? And the difference is the vision. These kids are coming with full-blown architect blueprints. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm going to do today. Tomorrow I'm going to do this. Next year is this. And I'm not I'm not in no rush. I just know my vision. And when they got it like that, it makes our job easy because all we got to do is add the sauce to it, and it goes on its own. Mm. So, you know, and then I heard the music he had. Like, you know, he had some real hip-hop joints. He had some fun joints. So it made it easy for us to say, let's go. Yeah, you know what I mean. Let's do this. This is this is something that we can work with. That's is it. that important now that you got to have that full vision, full plan as an artist? Because a lot of artists are going to ask the same question. You know, um, how do I do it? What do I do to stand out from the millions and millions and millions of people that are going to upload something to YouTube? That's going to do this. That's going to do that. How do I be the one that seen? Yeah, you got to diversify your portfolio. You got, I w- it's funny because I was watching NBA TV the other day, and I was watching the All-Star game. It was the greatest one you had. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Dr. J was retiring in this one. Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley's first uh, joint. Isaiah Thomas and, you know, these cats. And it, I was watching the game, and I couldn't figure out why then I liked it, but now it was boring to me. And it was because <laughs> they, they, they didn't have all the great moves, you know what right. I'm saying? You just a layup, you know what I mean? When normally they would have came down and flushed it. Right. You know, and you, and you compare that to today, like, you can't just have the cool dribble. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. just, you got to have, you got to be KD. You got to be able to dribble, rebound, assist, do the between the leg dunk. You know what I mean? Shoot the gym out. And a lot of these kids are starting to do that. So if you're, if you're listening and you're one of those guys, man, make sure you know every piece of the game. Make sure you study it from your social media um, to, you know, if you're going to sing song rap, make sure you can sing and rap. If you want to produce, like the kids I'm meeting, 12, 13, 14 years, I got a little 18-year-old girl. She know everything, bro. She mm. knows, I'm like, how do y'all know this who, stuff? Who is this young little Her 18? name Her name is Kaluminati. She's from okay. Atlanta. 
and she's ill. Like she, you know, she reminds me of a, a younger Eve, but what fun! Like she has the got a man, but still has the um, love is blind feel. Like she still right. has topics, okay. but she's not like you don't push her too far off where it's like it's too conscious, and you don't push her too far Cardi B. Right. It's like right in the vein. So when you meet these people, and I'm and this is what I look for in the kids. I'm I'm when I'm I'm going to see them. It's like, what's your vision? And they tell me, well, I do beats. I, I play guitar. I play the drums, you know. I'd be like, how? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And rap? And make beats? And you sing? Right. And you know how to engineer yourself? Oh, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, you know, just make sure you're not coming. You know, a lot of the rappers that came up through this era, a lot of them just rap. A lot of them don't know what Pro Tools is. They just know they record in it. Right. They don't know how to mix. They don't know how they want themselves to sound. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to stay in shape for their show. Right. They don't know what they look supposed to be. Right. Or, or talk how to talk and interact with their fans or so social media. So in other media. words, if you if you coming in the generation now, you better have your shit together. Yeah, for sure. You got to. You got to because, <laughs> because you got to be able to compete. You got to be able to compete and it is competitive. This is a competition. I tell them all. I say I got three artists. They you know, one like I said Uzi drops 700 songs a year. Right. And I scheme, he give me another 500. You can't come with 20 songs a year. Oh, wow. The, uh, for a rapper. You just can't. You I, can't. I, I, I Not can't. no more. Nah, you can't. <laughs> it used to be quality over quantity. I need to pick the quality out of the quantity. Yeah, it's got to be quantity. Now it's quantity out of Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I got it. Yeah. Know? I think, I think uh, uh, 50 Cent said it best back in the days when he said, you just make a record, let it go. That's Stop it. holding it. People, that's we used to hold it. No, this is the one that's going to be on the album. Can't do it no more. Because you don't do know it. what people going to like. Right. You don't know what they're going to like. Yeah, you just got to put that You got to put that shit out there. What's the, what's the future for... Uh, generation now what do you see well who's next up the bat well jack know. jack harlow obviously we put a project out and it just caught f- f- flames it's okay. called 200 miles per hour so uh we putting we putting the building behind that right now you know uzi's on autopilot but i'm still developing you know that's a, it's a, so much room with him there's so many things you could do with Lil Uzi There's Vert. so many things, and it's like, you know, I'm just letting him come to me like, all right, here's my vision for the next album, and we start that. But Jack, like I said, he's he's they have a small group of people where I don't have to hover over them. Okay. I can just come in at the end and kind of, you know, put the seasoning salt on it or whatever, whatever. But they have their little crew, and then we got Cluminati. I'm trying to develop her into being uh, the girl Uzi without being Uzi. What mm. I mean is not being a rock star. She has her own vision. But when I see her, she's a star. She'd be the first girl I can see to have the stupid iced out chain. You know what I'm saying? But still girly girl. She's not tomboyish. Right. She's still a girl. She still wears skirts. She still wear, you know, she got the colorful hair. Like she's fun. So uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out how to get her in, in that space soon. Okay. And then we got Lil James, which is, you know, from Detroit, living in Atlanta. He's an orphan kid that uh, his parents got killed in the drive by. He just been trying oh, to. Oh, man. He, yeah, he's been trying to figure out the whole time he moved to Atlanta. Uh, with the uncle, you know what I mean? So that's a special story right there, too, where he's trying to um, figure out how to live without having no guidance. Like, we his parents now. Oh, know, wow. three men and a baby, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We kind of like, you know, he's a, he's a rap artist? Yeah, he's a rap artist. He's a street dude, you know what I mean? He rolled around a lot of gangs. Gangs raised him, you okay. know what I mean? Because he didn't have nothing else. Right. So he basically, you know, we're developing him. You know, he, he got a super du- super dope story. Once it's told to the world, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be able to get to it because it's authentic. You know, you can check his background. And then, um, you know, we got Scheme, which is the super duper rapper from <laughs> <laughs> from the West Coast that been rapping forever. He's yeah. like a West Coast legend. He writes every hit for every artist. Um, 
and you know we're just trying to figure out like he worked so hard you know his 10,000 20,000 hours they say he's supposed to have in the game before you come successful is upon him any day now yeah you know what I mean so I'm just trying to get him in a good space you know what yeah I mean? and, that, and that's the future right now you know and trying to get these cats like you know with MTV they just started MTV films mm-hmm. just trying to get them back into where we could start getting the highs out again or, right you know, we don't have those things like I, I don't understand why nobody took house party this generation's house party and took Ray Streamer and kind of I, I was thinking crazy, about the same you know shit I was, I was telling somebody I said man we need to, to get the movies out again yeah, man we don't, we don't have those like the who's the man's yeah like, absolutely we, we don't, we're not giving these new kids no opportunity to kind of flourish into that mode like we had that along with a soundtrack we didn't have no soundtrack we had a good soundtrack and God knows how long and I still do believe you could do a soundtrack and a lot of these kids are in a position right now where their social following is so deep that people will absolutely go see them if you put that stuff out there for them to be seen in. So MTV Films is back on track again. They doing something now? Yeah, we went to uh, we did TRL with Uzi. He did a performance, and I ran into the lady, and she was like, yo, we're bringing it back out. Um, we're doing a little bit of uh, comedies. We're doing dramas and, you know, things. And it's funny. I tell the story all the time because Shorty Red, which was work, working on the Jeezy stuff with me, mm-hmm. He did uh, some of the the scoring for Save the Last Dance. And okay. his residual checks is still great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> MTV, you know what I'm saying? And right. It's like, how is this even possible? He's like, man, I, I just got to save the last dance check. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'll be like, damn. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm really trying to get into that, you know, not even the Brandon's uh, standpoint, but for, you know, Netflix and stuff like that. Like Will Smith, like, he just did the film in Netflix. That's streaming crazy. Yeah. He could have easily just went to the theater and did it. The, yeah, the bright, yeah, bright movie. But he doing it. He doing it the future way. Yeah, we going straight to Netflix. That yeah. people gonna stream the hell out of this. If I Let put me the tell right you something, which we call it did something that I always wanted to do, and I still think that I will be able to do it at a certain point. But Netflix just did a big deal with David Letterman. <laughs> David Letterman got something coming on next Netflix once a month, and it's called "And My Next and My Next Guest Is," and it's just a one on one, and it's something that I've always dreamed about doing you don't need a lot you don't need this that and the third you just need me and an artist me and a guest me and a person just a question and answer right right the same way we're doing it right here right you, you know de- what I mean? You definitely need that because I'm tired of them stealing your sauce. You know on the television, you know what I mean? Come on, son. Come on, man. <laughs> Fuck know, out of here with that. They should have gave you the house for that. They should have. You know that. You, you know already I mean? know, bro. And, and in Netflix, too, like, we haven't had a, you know, even for music, we haven't had a, a 30 for 30 like they got ESPN. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They've had they've had like uh, unsung and all those, yeah. But I feel like the detail of it ain't all the way there. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? And 30 for 30, like, it shows every little piece yeah. on the business and all that. Yeah. They just show you what was wrong in Unsung. This is right. This is wrong. This is how they failed. This how, they don't show the other parts. Like You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would be good for Netflix because it could be a series that somebody could just click on and just watch them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, let's collabo, man. Let's make that happen on yeah. Netflix. You got to connect with Netflix. We can make that happen. Absolutely. Chris Hicks, I'm coming. Oh, shout out to Chris. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Chris, man. Let's make that happen because... I, I always had an idea for a show called The Best You've Never Heard Of. And there's a lot of us that's done a lot of stuff in the music business. And not not mostly me, but I mean, like, taking unsung to the next level. Like, you know, the Regina Kings. And for people sure. don't even know half the shit for that sure. Regina has done. Uh, and it all started with, with a um, football player 
that used to play for the Steelers. That was the first black quarterback that played for the Steelers that actually got so bad on drugs that Terry Brad Joe Gilliam was his Joe name. Joe Gilliam, And yeah. I saw the story of Joe Gilliam, and I was like, wow. You know how many people don't know that Joe Gilliam was the first black quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? That if it wasn't if it wasn't for that he couldn't stand the pressure of the racism wow. of Philly. I mean, not Philly of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. He two different places now. All right, <laughs> the Pittsburgh. Bird. The bird is, is different than Philly. That he wouldn't have really got on drugs that bad, and then they had to sit him down, and that's how Terry Bradshaw even got. Terry Bradshaw was backup to Joe Gilliam. Yep. Say Joe Gilliam had an arm like a fucking cannon, could throw ninety yards accurate with no problem. Damn. And these are some of our unsung heroes that we don't fucking know about, and and there's a lot of people on in every race. That's like that of people that I would like to bring to the forefront. So yeah. I always had that idea to do that, to do that kind of a series. And, and, and the podcast, people. like some yeah. of these podcasts, need to be on Netflix. You know what I'm saying? We 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 going to revolt, and you know it's no problem with that. But you know I miss the Fab Five Freddy kind of feel. Like I wish somebody would come and do like. You know, when they interview Pac at his house. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're right. just sitting at the same table. That's I wish- funny because Bounce was, I got to be with Bounce TV talking about doing something with music do it, and videos, but I don't want to do it in the studio. No, no, no. You got to move around. One of the most famous things I've ever done, and to this day, people see it and they keep asking me, and I won't reveal it, is when I put Easy E in the smash and I had my hand on his head and he said something in my ear. And people were like, People always debate. He told Ed, I had you fucked up. <laughs> Y'all didn't know Eric. I did. Eric was not. Eric wasn't like that. I, Eric was a fucking great dude and a, an astute fucking businessman. Right. But people always ask me shit like that. Oh, you're so lucky you knew Tupac like that. Like, to me, it was like knowing Don Cannon. Right. We didn't look at him as, oh, shit, Pac is coming in. It was like, yo, what up, nigga? Right. You know, he'd be in my mom's house chilling. Right. So it was a, it was a different aspect of everything but i want to do something where i'm with you in your walk of life where i'm with kanye while Kanye's going through the process so i'm saying? with jay where we're in the studio or not even in the studio in his office and just watching them feel phone calls and watching don and drama do what they do on a daily basis mm-hmm. not the fluff shit yeah not you come in and sit down oh hey and then we're gonna show a couple of your videos and i don't i want to do the road shit. Yeah, and the so-called people that hold this culture, like, y'all got to be able to give us the platform. Like, I watched right. Anthony I would wanna Bourdain. Fuck with, yeah, like I want to fuck with Anthony Bourdain's with Method Man eating donuts. <laughs> right. Why is Anthony Bourdain getting right. that, that thing? Why does he no, get that love? No, and no disrespect. It, I'm no just disrespect. saying. Like, and there's no, even yeah. no disrespect to, um, no disrespect to Fallon. Right. Love Jimmy Fallon. Right. But when we was doing this shit... Jimmy Fallon was not around doing it. Wasn't I talking about this earlier about the people that we've created this culture and then they take our culture and cool. You gave the roots a great platform, but God damn it. If that shouldn't be a black man doing For that. sure. That's all I'm saying. Somebody need to be rolling around these streets, going to Dillia's with, you know what I mean? And Kendra Lamar. Right. And interviewing them there and y'all talking about and walking down the street. I just miss that like Fat Five Freddy was walking yeah. down the street in New yeah. York. We had to fight for and, me and Dre to be able to. You see what I'm saying? Like wow. at first they were like, "Y'all a studio show, and you're gonna stay in the studio." And because we got Fab, I was like, "Nah, I don't want to just fucking be in the studio all the time. Yeah, y'all I want to go out too and do stuff." So we were able to go out, and Fab was able to do the, the digital underground. One of the most famous episodes when they had Humpty and Shock G there, and people swore they were two different fucking people. <laughs> But they put, they took Shock, took his brother, and put his brother in a Humpty outfit, and uh-huh. they face to face, and then they did a split screen with him where they were face to face. 
That's fire. And people was like, oh, shit, Shock and Humpty. I told y'all Humpty is a different person. No, it was Shock. They just did a split screen <laughs> on the shit. And we're going with Hammer. And the first time, if you look at Hammer in the studio, in the dance studio with Fat Five Freddy, they always circle it because Jennifer Lopez was behind as one of the dancers right. for Hammer in the studio. So it's all of that shit that you can't just get sometimes sitting in the studio. Yeah, they need that. And I think that a lot of the... A lot of the rumor that you see on social media that you don't know about, that'll get clear once you have yeah. a show that everybody's paying And the culture to. needs it. The culture For needs sure. it because you need you a gotta, dude You like got to do it. You got to do it. I don't do know it. anybody else that can do it. You need a dude like me that's talking to Uzi. Absolutely. You need, you need that because, Krista, I tell you, just from doing a radio show, the amount of respect that I get from these dudes is mind-boggling. Like, I didn't even know... I was on some of these dudes' radar. I go out and introduce myself to Migos, and they fucking lose their mind when they see me. Like, yo, OG, oh shit, look at my Yo! TV Raps jacket. I got it right here. And blah, 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 blah. And it's just, like, I'm boggled by the, by the shit. I remember when I was up in um, uh, the studio that Molly has up in Duluth. Yeah, uh, uh, Tree Sound. True Sound. Yeah, yeah, Tree Sound. And I went up there for a uh, race scrummage listening joint yeah. and then motherfuckers stopped the music when I walked in OG Ed Lover in the fucking house <laughs> handed me the weed and handed me a bottle I was like thank you man I was like these are, I'm like yo and she'll tell you I'm one of like Krista has been a real big proponent of opening my ears up to different young different music shit cause yeah. I get stuck in my shit sometimes. Oh, this shit is fucking bullshit ass. Motherfuckers can't rap. Right. And if you listen to it, if you take the time and you open your ears up and stop being so protective over what was happening in the past and learn to live in the moment, yeah. you'll appreciate it a little more. Yeah, and I you think, can't expect we can't expect them to like what we like. Yeah, but I think I think that once I got over that part, I was like, oh, I know what's going on. Because some of my favorite artists, people would have been like, they're not the best rappers, like uh, Das Effects. You know right. what I'm saying? Nice and Smooth wasn't the best to They me. weren't the best. You know what I'm saying? You had no, they, not, no, not when Dizzy Gillespie plays the sax. You me, see, my, yeah. I was telling Dizzy Gillespie, first of all, I never played sax. You see what I'm saying? Something. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's like. Once I got past that, I was like, man, that's what I listened to then, man. I need to embrace the shit. That's now. right. You know what I mean? And we don't yeah. act like everybody that came from our generation was Nas and Coogee rap. Everybody, <laughs> it wasn't. Not at all. It wasn't. Hammer was fucking fire, and Hammer could wrap himself out of a wet paper bag. He had a lot of people's favorite rappers. That's right. Kanye's favorite rapper. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You'll find yourself driving down the street going, Funky, Coma, D. You see what I'm saying? Tone, lyrically, it. Tone Loke was trash. <laughs> Sir Mix a lot. Right. Come on. My hoop day. <laughs> Lyrically, these niggas was not nice. Right. So, come on, y'all. Give these, give these cats a break, man. Just right. let them be who they want to be. And it's about their generation. For sure. And it's about generation now. That's right. That's what it's about. Don Cannon, thank you, my brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, bro. We yeah. definitely going to stay in touch and collab on some shit, man. For sure. We got to get them shows going. Yeah, let's get it going, man. Right here. Come on, son, the podcast, man. Y'all be good. Keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about you next week. All right? Right here. Be good if you can't be good. Be careful if you can't be careful. Name your baby Donald Earl Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until the next time we ride together, slide together, laugh out loud together, and love a baby buck. Krista Kimana saying God bless each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all for tuning us in, up, tuning us out. Remember, I always give you the good shit and not the bullshit internets. Rest in peace to my man, Combat Jack, always yep. for putting me in this position that I'm in now, you internets. Now, come on, son. <laughs> Fuck out of here with that bullshit. We out.
This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 